1: is now hiring, and I do not understand this move at all. Derek, you might. Good morning, Derek. How are you?
2: I am uh, I'm doing okay. I have a sore back. I slept on the couch last night, James. Not because of anything I did, although I'm sure karma is out there and ready to get me on the couch for the rest of my life for the things I've done. But because my, since we last spoke, daughter number one lost her first tooth. And the Tooth Fairy, as part of a Faustian bargain that was made long before, promised her kittens. (laughs) And so the kittens and our cats have yet to reach détente. And so I have to stay up in a room, make sure the kittens are okay, because they just got fixed. And uh, make sure that they are not... Destroyed by the cats. So yes, I have been sleeping on the couch this week. Go ahead, laugh. Wait Wait a minute, Derek. Wait a minute.
1: Most kids get like a quarter, or like it used to be a nickel. Mm -hmm. You lose your tooth, you you wake up the next day under your pillow. There's a little piece of coin. Then it went up to a buck. Yeah. And then for some kids, you know, ten bucks. You lose a tooth, you get ten bucks under the pillow. Not in Derek Hunter's household. In Derek, in Derek's household, they get animals. Well, I didn't you stuff the animal tooth. under the pillow,
2: James. I didn't try to do that. But it was she has been asking for a kitten for a very long time, which led daughter number two to want a kitten too. And so we had to come. And you know, I our cats are old. We can't get a dog right now, just because. He can't go away for more than eight hours with a dog without having somebody come in and check. And cats are easier to take care of. So I we made a deal that when there's some milestone, because I think kids should have some kind of animal to grow up with, right? They're five and four years old, so they've got these little kittens that they will grow up with, and they'll help take care of and all of that. I think I had cats and dogs when I was growing up, so... They that was the deal any. we struck. And 10 bucks. I don't know. I gave her 5 bucks too, under the pillow with a note you, that said whoa. That something else. It was her first tooth. The fairy, uh, the tooth fairy wrote a nice note that said, there's 5 bucks for your first tooth, and there'll be another surprise coming tomorrow because that was the day they were getting fixed. We arranged it. It was actually very fortuitous because we'd planned on getting them Around this time, she's had a wiggly tooth forever. I was ready to pop her in the mouth, to be honest with you. Knock the damn thing out. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But uh, it <laughs> fell out the day before the cats had surgery. So it was perfect.
1: So you, you mutilated the cats, too, the kittens. Oh,
2: good Lord. Yes, we did.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You fixed yeah. them.
2: Fixed them. So that them, they right?
1: can't have a natural life.
2: They were broken, but shut up. Hold
1: the,
2: on. So, so, hold, no, you know that one lady called last week already hates me for my attitude, and now you're sitting there making me seem like the Joseph Mangala of the feline world.
1: Ah. So the Tooth Fairy wrote your daughter a letter?
2: A little note. It wasn't. It was a piece of paper folded four times. Why don't Why
1: don't she just sell that for two million dollars? Because, no, I mean, because
2: it's a good uh, piece of it. Santa Claus writes her a note, too, about how good the cookies were.
1: That should be $3 million. It's a supernatural being just left a note. Maybe
2: some supernatural. No, they're just very dedicated to their craft. Some people, if they work hard enough, <laughs> can seem supernatural.
1: You should frame that and save it for a college fund. Maybe. I'm loving this. So the kids get kittens. Wait a minute. The other daughter didn't didn't lose a tooth, but she just she, goes along for the ride and gets a kitten, too. She's going to
2: lose a tooth eventually, yes. But then you have to get her something else. You're going to be well, overrun with something. cats. She'll get something. for The the first tooth will be the special tooth. Don't worry about it. But it, it it'll be handled. We can... I'm sure it will. I mean, look, I'm not questioning
1: the way you run things in the Hunter household. I like the idea that you have to sleep on the couch, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. yeah. You know Tucker, right? Yeah.
2: You're friends. You've been friends with Tucker for a long time. I've known Tucker since 2000 to 2009, I think. Maybe two, no, 2008, the last year that uh, George W. Bush was in the White House for the White House Correspondents Dinner, which is apparently tonight. Oh, Because I met great. him at – here, I'll, I'll do the ultimate name drop. I'll be the uh, Washington D-bag. I uh, was good friends with Christopher Hitchens and the White House. Oh, you, course you, wanted... you were good friends with Christopher Hitchens. Yes. I mm. worked for Grover Norquist. I've name drop all over the place. I'm in a carpet bomb. It's like Treat your show like it's Dresden today with the name dropping. I uh, worked for Grover Norquist. I always loved Christopher Hitchens. And uh, he was one of those guys that I really wanted to meet. I watched him on Hardball all the time. I watched him on Politically Incorrect at the time. And one day I'm working for Grover, and I had access to Grover's calendar. He gives it to everybody so you know where he is. And I see he has drinks with with Christopher Hitchens after work one day. And I bolted down to his office. Oh, my God, do you know Christopher Hitchens? Can you introduce me? And I I was running a happy hour. I started a happy hour in Washington, D.C., where we'd have guests come and, and just hang out, no speeches. And so Grover did an email. And I was even nervous writing the email. And I invited Christopher to it, and he came, no questions. He, first, he couldn't come to the next one, so he invited me to his house for drinks. Like, oh, my God. Oh, goodness. Dude, like, right out of the blue. The guy didn't know me at all. And then he came to the next happy hour, and it was a huge hit. Everybody loved Christopher. He's the only person, every time I talked to him, I was terrified of, like, saying something wildly stupid because he was just so brilliant so smart, but he never – he never there are a lot of people who aren't smart who try to make you feel stupid, kind of how they make themselves feel smarter by proxy. Christopher was the smartest person I've ever known who just talk about anything new about damn near everything, and never once looked at anybody as you know if they use a wrong word or they mispronounce something and corrected them now everybody loves to correct everybody it's, it's Carnegie, not Carnegie or whatever it is that the leftists now just live to correct people. My pronouns are she, him, not the, uh, but he was just, he'd go with the flow. He couldn't have been nicer. He and his wife, Blue, invited me and, uh, he allowed me to bring a date to the Vanity Fair after party for the White House correspondence dinner in their apartment, <laughs> which was just around. Re- yeah, I know. I wasn't even invited to the White House correspondence dinner. I crashed the pre parties and, uh, went to the after party. As soon as I walked in, Christopher meets me at the, do- greets us at the door. Me and my date. She's a five foot ten, blonde chick. And she, and uh, did she goes, have oh. a name
1: or was she just one of your? She you has know, a name,
2: but I don't want to. What she want? Uh, she's, fine. She's I'm just asking. Prominent.
1: What if, if you were? I'm trying to get to the whether you remember her or not, or I whether do. you just remember that it was a blonde. I, I, chick no, no, with I with absolutely that, do. With that night, and uh, okay. I had a crush
2: on her for like probably five years before we started dating. Uh okay. but. Because uh, she was a good softball player for the Cato Institute, that's how I knew who she was. Um, so we walk in, and Christopher's right there. Had to show you a little card, the invite to get in. You're not even allowed in the building. And Christopher goes, "Hey, Derek," introduce him. He says, what do you What do you drink? And I said, well, I, "I wasn't really." Thinking. What do you drink? Like, I, I normally drink vodka. I normally drink vodka and Diet Coke, but I just you know, like I drink vodka, like the kind of liquor. And she goes, "She drinks, you know, beer." He goes, "Wait a second, runs off. Comes back. He's he's you know, it's or the party's already going on. (laughs) And Christopher's had a few. He comes back with a bud a can of Bud Light for my date and a champagne flute filled to the top, bubbling over, actually, just that little that little dome of that liquid does at the top of a glass of room temperature vodka. And I'm like thinking to myself, What the hell am I gonna do with this? (laughs) He goes, Hey, come on in, have fun. And so I we walk in, and I immediately turn to my date, and I said, "We've got to get to the bar. I need ice in a mix. Like this is this is terrible." I took a big drink out of it. I almost threw it up because it's room temperature vodka. So we I mix my drink, walk in, and Salman Rushdie cuts across from us, and then he goes and he talks <laughs> to Katie Couric. The cast, oh. the cast of The Wire was there. The Wire had just ended. I absolutely loved The Wire. I got a bunch of pictures with the people from The Wire. They couldn't have been cooler. The nicest guy was the guy who played the drug dealer, Marlo. He was really? su- super cool. Yeah, he was. And uh, we were there till about 4 o'clock in the morning. It was awesome. And he, he, Christopher finally, you know, he's the belle of the ball. He grabs me and he says, let's get some food. Because there was food there. And he piles this giant mound of food for the two of us on his plate. And we're going to sit down and finally, you know, BS as the sun comes up. And then my date goes, I "Don't, I'm really tired. Do you mind if we go? And I'm like, oh, you're killing me. So I got like five minutes of sharing communal plate with Christopher and then we left. But at that party was Tucker Carlson amongst a whole bunch of other people. And I met him. I had emailed with him to come to that happy hour. I didn't know that he would quit drinking. I emailed him to come that happy hour. He said, "I would, but I'm you know not I'm not in town all summer." Because he goes fly fishing, literally, or did he was not having a show at the time. We go fly fishing all summer, for the most part, and so uh, we agreed that he would come into a podcast, and from there, he like invited me to breakfast about two weeks later, and I thought that was. It was really weird. I walked out of the breakfast with him and his friend, Neil Patel, that he's known since high school. Is now a good friend of mine, too. I remember walking out of it. I had to get up really early. I was living in Baltimore. I had to take the train to D.C. at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning to get to Georgetown by 7 o'clock in the morning for this breakfast at 7.30. And uh, I walked out. I thought, that that seemed an awful lot like a job interview. That was weird. I don't know why I was thinking it would be anything but, like, Tucker Carlson meets me at a party and goes – i want to have breakfast with that guy uh, for no good reason whatsoever and it turns out that something tucker and i had discussed during the podcast was something that similar to what he was thinking about that eventually became the daily caller and i was the very first person hired at the daily caller from that well there was one more breakfast and then that i was hired amazing. at the daily caller and by the way tucker and grover did not get along at the time I ended up brokering peace in our time between the two because Tucker had uh, dumped a drink on Grover's head
0: <sighs> at a uh,
2: public—I remember a, hearing about a that gala dinner—and because yeah, he said something about Tucker's dad. Don't ever t- insult Tucker's family because he'll come at you like like a monster. Even still, even now that he doesn't drink, he'll still do it. Him and Buckley were going to beat him up. It's kind of a funny story. But he ended up just dumping a uh, Bloody Mary on his head. I ended up brokering a a lunch between the two, and now they're not like great friends or anything, but they've gotten along ever since. Derek, you're getting the inside
1: Washington life this morning. It's high school with
2: paychecks. Washington, D.C. is high school with paychecks, is the gist of it.
1: Will Downing is going to join us later in the program. This is Will Downing. One of America's premier vocalists and musicians, I might add. This is a duet that he did with Phil Perry. If you recognize the song, the song was originally done by The Originals. Written by Marvin Gaye. Produced by Marvin Gaye for The Originals. Baby, I'm For Real. And we're coming back on the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. WABC, don't go away.
0: The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
1: April twenty ninth, nineteen forty five. Tammy Terrell enters. Ooh,
0: every day there's something new. Baby. Baby, honey,
2: Existence. To you finish that thought.
1: I'm just listening to
2: Marvin, man. Have us at Tammy Terrell enters. It sounds like the set It's up. a birthday. It's Faded. a birthday. I
0: understand that. Well, she but... exits, actually. She Ooh. exits the, uh... Oh, All right. Yeah, Technically.
2: But, well, biology has changed since then, so we don't even know what happens now.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but this is Marvin and Tammy, Tammy Terrell. You know, there's a double record with Tammy um, that I, I purchased, and I have to tell you, you know, I'm going to be honest, I didn't like it that much. I love Tammy Terrell, but but these duets that she did with Marvin Gaye, I mean, they are iconic for did a reason. Did she
2: ever have a hit on her own? Was she ever part of a girl group or anything? Or no, she,
1: she, she, released, she released a lot of material on her own, but it never went anywhere. It was the material that she... That she did with Marvin, and you know Marvin was g- genuinely devastated by her death. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a story. The whole story has not been told, from what I understand, and I can't. It, there's. It was kind of hinted at in the in one of the movies. Apparently, she and David Ruffin had a rough relationship. Mm-hmm. David Ruff had and then a lot I of rough f-
2: relationships. All those guys from the early Motown, all those early musician guys had issues, except for the ones like uh, Buddy Holly's, Eddie Cochras, who didn't live long enough to have the issues. They were, if you really think about it, aside from like a Sinatra and a Perry Como, which is a completely different way, these guys in the late 50s, early 60s, who came, they were the first people to really deal with fame on a level that That nobody had before. You know, that's interesting. No, it was. That's a really, Derek, hold on, that's a really interesting Well, a lot of Bobby Soxers would, you know, oh, Frank Sinatra and swoon over Perry Como and and Bing Crosby and what have you and, and Nat King Cole. And there were some groupies, but not nearly as many. These guys, when rock and roll took over from the crooners, it was people throwing everything at them. Girls throwing themselves at them, promoters throwing everything at them. It was a different world where the world word no disappeared. It disappeared. Now, then, then they were done with you. The second you were no longer hot, they were done with you. And then you couldn't get a yes to save your life. And nobody, there was no guidebook for it. Just think about the Beatles. There's four people on the planet who have any idea what it was like to be that famous ever. And it was those guys who oftentimes shared a hotel room they had all the money in the world, all the fame in the world, and they were shuttled into usually two adjoining rooms. <laughs> it's like you yeah, know like, oh, I mean, what a dream life like no it's like you you're gonna get your hair ripped out as you're shoved into a car, put on a plane, and then you're stuffed into a hotel room till you go to the next room or to the next city is very bizarre existence anybody
1: so- that thinks that that being a a superstar is glamorous, I got news for you. If you if you really get a peek behind the scenes, a lot of what we think is a glamorous life is not a glamorous well, life. Well, you,
2: James, you worked with Rush Limbaugh. He had all the money he, anybody could ever want, the fame anybody could ever want, the adulation and the hatred. There's always going to be it's its two sides of the same coin. But could Rush Limbaugh go to an Applebee's? If he wanted to, could Rush Limbaugh go to the mall? Like, I mean, on occasion, you could really sort of put a hat on and a coat. With he a went team. to the
1: mall once. Out went and and he talked about it, his experience at the mall, mm-hmm. which was really funny. But no, I mean, you lose. But it's a velvet I heard, prison. I heard prison. one of the cats or kittens. Yeah, I just heard.
2: Now that's one of the cats it it's uh it's a velvet prison. you got all the money in the world, and you you kind of gotta to have the freedom that we all take for granted, like this morning, I'm going to my kids' soccer games back to back. God help us. it's a ten kids pile on top of each other, kicking at a ball, and they end up kicking each other. There'll be a lot of crying uh but if I were wildly famous and you know, it'd be like a hassle. To be there, because somebody would love you and come up, wouldn't they just, it'd be like being a doctor. I imagine Rush was like this. I imagine your life was like this, because I know my life has been like this. When they find out what you do, or if they know you from what you do, I read your book, I read your columns. They want to talk to you nonstop. It's like being a doctor about, it's nothing, I'm not complaining or anything. But it's just a kind of a weird thing, because you're at a party, you find out somebody's a doctor you're talking to. You go, oh, yeah, no, that's great. uh, you know, when I uh, do this, it kind of hurts a little bit. What do you think that is like I'm I'm not a, I'm not wearing my coat right now. Like I'm just trying to have fun. <laughs> I'm trying to watch my kids cry at soccer. And you want to talk to me about how the Biden administration sucks. You want to be mad at me for something I said on my podcast or whatever. Like, OK, there's a there's a time and a place. But right now. I'm pretending this is riveting, so in case my daughters look over here that I'm excited and uh <laughs> it, it's that sort of thing now, rush couldn't go to a restaurant because somebody's going to have an opinion about it. I mean he could well he did though when he, he could and, and that but, was after
1: after he moved though he yes, did
2: not in New York he couldn't I in, New York, in
1: New York it was yes, in New York, you had to be with you have to have a body person with you all the time, yeah, but when you when you're in other places. That's one of the weird things about being on the left Coast, too, in Seattle. um you know um, I spent a little bit of time in Seattle, and it was a whole different atmosphere. You could see people that were quote unquote famous in the tech world, maybe mm. out with nobody they just you, you could run into anybody, and they're just going about their lives. It was a different kind of thing. but I want to get back to your relationship with Tucker Carlson. Mm. What happened when you nobody was expecting this? So, what was your reaction when, when you heard that that Fox and Tucker had parted ways?
2: I didn't believe it at first. It it you know it, look if Tucker's found in a hotel room with a, a dead prostitute and that's the and Fox lets him go, then I'd believe it. But Tucker isn't going to be in the hotel room with a dead or a live prostitute or caught with a pile of drugs or anything like that. He's, he he actually loves his wife and talks about her in very nice ways. And, you, you know, they, they're they great together. So it was just Tucker and Fox had parted ways. And you immediately, your brain starts to go, okay, well, this happened. This confirmed that this happened. And you try and make sense of it. I still haven't really made sense of it. You don't know why it is. I, like everybody who knows Tucker, within five minutes of hearing the news, I just shot him a, a text message like "WTF"? Hope you're doing okay. And I think that was the exact text. And I didn't hear back. I didn't expect to hear back. He's the only people he swamped. Yeah, he's going to be overwhelmed, and he's going to be. Uh, he's going. There are a hell of a lot more people in his life that are closer to Tucker than I am. And so he would respond to them or his wife, like my friend Neil Patel that he co-founded the Daily Caller with. Him, he'd respond to him. He'd probably call. But um, I was just in shock. And then a day later, maybe 12 hours later, maybe later that same day, I sent him a really long thing about what to do next. But I haven't been bothering him. Look, Tucker will work on on Tucker time. I imagine there are all sorts of – when you exit a company like that and you're on that level, there is a, a phone book, if anybody remembers what a phone book is, a phone book that you have to sign on the way out the door that usually comes accompanied with a gigantic check and everything. And it says, you will not disparage the company. You will not uh, discuss what went on here. We won't disparage you, blah, blah, blah. And so you can't really talk about it. Someday I'll get the story. Someday I'll get the story. But it's not my story to, I'm not owed the story. And it won't be my story to tell, so it'll just come to me and die with me. But uh, until then, I'll be as curious as everybody else.
1: Hmm. Yeah, pretty amazing. What do you think you ought to do next?
2: I believe that he should start his own thing. I think that he and he should I'm, do it as quickly as he contractually can I don't know if there's a non compete or whatever I've if heard there still, is but who knows I've heard there is but when it. you fire somebody I imagine the timeline gets halved uh there are ways around a non compete if you you know Yeah you dip, can
1: take him to court and
0: just say quite, it's an uh, <clears throat>
2: You could take them to court and try and invalidate it, but if they cut you like a twenty million dollar check, they might want that back and say, "We'll let you go for twenty million dollars." I'm not sure you want to make that kind of a deal, but there are ways. It go to a pre-existing show, and just be a quote guest. You can be a guest. Nothing can stop you from being a guest on the show, but sort of host it. You know, have the intro. And then you just kind of take over. It's not your show. You're not. You're not hosting. Like you're you guests on the show. Exactly, exactly. That's why. I, that's the key to my like, like uh, big bucks. Yeah. 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 The key yeah. to my big buck. Right. But I, I think that he should do a multimedia platform where he is subscription-based. He could easily get his video got like almost 20 million views or whatever it's up to now uh, that he posted on YouTube. I think that he could easily for five bucks a month get a million people pretty quickly, even though there's nothing there. It's like it's coming soon. Subscribe now. Be a founding member. Five bucks a month. That is sixty million dollars a year. If you get a million people signed up, you offer premium memberships with merch. You could get somewhere near a hundred million dollars a year. You don't make him. You make him the uh, the face at the beginning, but you don't build it on his shoulders. You build it around him, not on him. So you build up other people. I think you have a video lineup. There's enough people doing video shows that you could easily populate that. And you also have a streaming online component constantly. So you sell that to SiriusXM or radio stations around the world. You can get, you know, you can get syndicated shows for nothing. Just let them run ads, Uh, populate it, do video essays and have some written word and sort of do a cross between the Blaze and the Daily Wire you get that started in concept now, and people signing up now. It gives you operating capital. There'll be investors, and then you launch in three to six months or whatever. Slowly, even without Tucker, because of contractual things, um, you can. It's a it, good plan, but we have to things.
1: take a break. Yeah, Derek Hunter is with us. We're going to talk about some news of the day too. Your calls eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Donna Summer takes us in. Coming right back. Don't go away. It's Saturday!
0: It's Saturday! It's Saturday! Saturday! It's Saturday! It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
1: W.A.B.C. Talk Radio 77 in New York. James Golden with you. It's a Saturday morning radio extravaganza. <clears throat> yeah, I fooled around and fell in love. And now I have kittens and it, cats and wives.
2: Now, wives, James, plural. I, yes. uh, I got to ask you about the email I got yesterday. Okay. Because I, I was confused by this. And I, I, I could see you saying the words, but in a sarcastic way, and that sometimes as somebody who employs sarcasm and deploys sarcasm from time to time, as that lady who called last week saying she hated my guts because it was so terrible and nasty all the time, uh, sometimes it misses the target. But I got an email, uh, the subject line, James Golden, from someone, Bob, we'll just say Bob. Said, Your friend lost me. Hi, Derek. Your friend lost me again. The other day, and I assume he's listening to you via the stream, which everybody should. The other day he said he doesn't celebrate the 4th of July because it is a white holiday. He should thank his relatives. They were slaves in America. He didn't learn much from Rush. Rush always spoke of the sacrifice uh, our found, white founding fathers made. Ask him which African country he would rather live in. This is so, that's so insulting and so racist. And that's it, it, one of the it's reasons. It's insulting, yeah, okay. But it's insulting and it's racist. You never say anything like, I don't celebrate the 4th of July. Yes, I do. I you,
1: said, it, okay. said it. And I've said it, and I've said, look, I've talked about this with Rush for years. Okay. And Rush understood my position. And I say it, and I say it again. I do not celebrate the 4th of July. The 4th of July is white people, Independence Day. It have nothing to do with black people in America. Now, you may not like it. You may not like to hear it. It may offend your sensibilities, but that's the damn truth.
2: There were free the 4th black of men July, in America, too.
1: The 4th of July had nothing to do with the state of black people in America, okay? It had, while Thomas Jefferson, who, by the way, I am related to, and not through the Sally Hemings line, I don't know whether you know that or not, no, I don't. Through the paternal line of the Jeffersons, I'm related to Thomas Jefferson. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and not the Sally Hemings line, because even though he was stupping the slave and pretending he wasn't. And and by the way, there's a whole other thing about Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, to me, is one of the biggest hypocrites in American history. Okay, here you hypocrites. go with all this all this, this whining and moaning about how we're all created equal, while you're stupping the slave, her husband's building your mansions. And at the same time, he says, okay, I'll, when I die, I'll free the slaves. When he died, he was so bankrupt that the slaves were never freed that he had because they were used as collateral for all the money he owed. Yeah. Okay, so they never got their freedom. So it's a lie. And I no, I don't celebrate the 4th of July. But what but I, I do celebrate, look, I can, James, may I, can, I finish? Let me ahead, finish. Go ahead. I ain't mad at people that celebrate it. The 4th of July in American independence is one of the greatest things that happened on the planet earth. The birth of America is ultimately one of the most amazing things that has happened. And I do realize, and Rush never talked about the quote unquote white founders. He talked about the founders and no, you tell a black person, you should be grateful. you you, you, you came here, your relative. I'm starting to sound like Don Lemon now, excuse me. You tell a person that you should be grateful that your, your relatives were slaves? Kiss my behind. You should not be grateful that any human being had to suffer any oppression on the planet Earth. That's like, can you imagine telling a person of the Jewish faith, oh, you should be grateful that your parents were from the Holocaust, your, your family went through the Holocaust because now you're here? You wouldn't say that. Don't, fix, you, could your, you don't say, fix your ugly. Don't fix your ugly, racist mouth to say that black people should be grateful that their ancestors were slaves. Could no, we should not.
2: To, uh, I'm not sub- through.
1: I'm not through.
2: Okay, is it your show or something?
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> um <laughs> Look, I love America and I love this country. Everybody that knows me knows I do, and I admire our history. And I'm not mad at those who do celebrate the Fourth of July. You should celebrate it. You should. This is called freedom. We and just because Rush said something, what am I supposed to kneel down and like
2: and to just like I've got walk to interrupt. with my I gotta in, interrupt. Do do I Go ahead. Do you celebrate Juneteenth? No, I don't celebrate Juneteenth either. Okay. Am I
1: supposed to, am I not allowed to? I don't. You can celebrate whatever you want to celebrate. This is America. Okay. This is what I mean. This is freedom. You can make an intellectual choice but I don't to understand. choose what you want to do. I
2: don't understand. Look, the 4th of July is I don't gather the kids and the kittens around and, and read the Declaration of Independence or anything like that. It's mostly – maybe you are just don't do it because you're a vegetarian. But I um, – you know, we just – if we do anything, it's a barbecue, it's our go to a barbecue, have a barbecue, whatever. Um, I don't consciously go – Well, to hell with that. You know, I I don't celebrate Hanukkah. I'm not Jewish. I don't celebrate Ramadan. I'm not Muslim. But I don't then put like a menorah with a Ghostbusters, no ghosts here thing up for it. And that, I think, is a a little bit. Now, maybe it's just because of the moment. But it, it sounds like you're like, why would I celebrate this? Why would anybody celebrate this? This is horrible. This is terrible. The hypocrisy and all of that. You can recognize that the people who did something great were also horrible people. If you look at the people doing things great now, great many of them are horrible people. If you look at throughout all of history, most of the people who did great things had a giant skunk stripe down their back of horribleness at a minimum. They're peppy Le Pew. Oh, they're wonderful on the surface and all they want to do is kiss you. But boy, howdy, if you get past the surface, they stink. So, it, it you can separate. I've said the same thing, Derek, in so many from words. From the chaff, though, it, it it is in a way.
1: This is to me what the freedom is all about. I made an intellectual decision. We have the
2: freedom to not care, absolutely.
1: When I was a child, that I was appalled by what had happened in this country, and I'm still appalled by it, and I have mm-hmm. every right to look and say that the. Look, if you go, as I have, in the Jefferson Memorial and you read those words, yeah. you will see that even he was saying, you know, there's going to be a reckoning in this country because this is evil. <laughs> you know it's evil, but yet you still do it. You don't have the courage not to do it, even though you know it's evil.
2: Oh, I know. Okay, okay I
1: get it. And, and by so, the way, and so you... for me, I say, and this is a personal choice. I don't say anyone else shouldn't do it. This is me. My own life, I've said, you know what? Uh-uh. This was, w- when this day was all celebration, people waving their flags and doing all this stuff, some of the people in my, in my, and I'm paying homage to my ancestors. Mm-hmm. Do you know when they came and some of, i And we're still trying to track it down. Mm-hmm. And we've tracked down a lot of them, including the fact that I have, you know, relations with Thomas Jefferson's family. Right. And we have Irish, and we have... Um
2: You're part it goes Mick too, and I'm part Mick. But look, my ancestors didn't come here until the late eighteen hundreds. through Canada, sadly. But uh you know so Yeah, I know, I know. French Canadian <laughs> even the worst. But um so does that mean I should not celebrate the Fourth of July either, since no. it has no connection to my family, or do I go, you know what? you know, celebrate anything you Or want the to Irish celebrate. family that was here lived with the discrimination and everything but now we're past it <clears throat> I just I don't know I don't I uh I'm reminded of the thing that drives me nuts James which is of, what? really quickly that girl that I took to that Christopher Hitchens party got, mm-hmm. we got a we went to a silent dance party for Thomas Jefferson's birthday at the Jefferson Memorial at midnight one year uh, that same year and she got arrested for protesting there just Ooh. Yeah, it was one of those weird things. We we're all wearing headphones, dancing, and she somehow got arrested. She's a libertarian, so they had a little bit of a F you to the police attitude. But the, you remember the Ancestry.com ad from a few years ago where the guys like, when I was growing up I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember what it was. When I was growing up, we were all Italian. It was uh, Prince Spaghetti Day and we had uh, tattoos of chef Boyardee or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Then I did then I did Ancestry.com Turns out I'm not Italian at all. I'm German. So now I wear the later and dance around like a moron eating bratwurst. That that gist of a commercial. <laughs> I don't understand that mentality. Because it literally has nothing to do with him. Okay? Where his who his ancestors were reproducing with a hundred, two hundred years ago, longer than that, has no bearing on where he is now or what he is. My ancestors started off as far as we know in Poland and basically mated their way west. They went as far west as they could, stopped, had a kid, shoved them west, and said, keep going. And whatever was there, they picked up, and they ended up here eventually. So from Poland over, there's a little bit of everything in there. But none of it had. I don't sit around going, you know what, I've got to have pierogi. i I got a reminder in the nose. The Italian nose and the Polish nose combined together makes this chud of a face. But, it doesn't impact who I am as a person. So many people seem to let it dictate their terms. Like, oh, people who were my ancestors went through some. Well, if you go back far enough, everybody's ancestors went through something. Everybody's ancestors went through hell, starting off yeah. with the Jews. We got the pyramid sitting there as a perfect it reminder. Didn't it didn't start
1: with the Jews, by the way. And I'm not going, I don't even want to open that door. There was history. It started off with Adam and Eve, if you want to go that far. Everybody's going through something. I agree with you on that.
2: Hmm. But But I don't understand why, why, like, if you told me that my ancestors were, uh, many of them were murdered or whatever, like, oh, well, that's interesting. You know
1: what, Derek? Nobody in your family, you know what, my mom tells me stories. uh Let me say something to you. When I went down south when I was, we used to call it down south. When I went to Alabama when I was a kid, Mm-hmm. I had to sit up in the balcony because mm-hmm. they wouldn't let my kind sit down okay, with I the understand. other people. Okay, that is something. So, you and went and through. my mother and we have had people in my family that were lynched, mm-hmm. that were lynched. This is not make believe stuff. So, I do that. I have an honor for my ancestors? Absolutely, I do. Okay, and I honor my family, all of them, and my ancestors, too. So I'm not asking anybody else to understand I'm not telling you you're wrong. I was just trying to figure it out. This is, yeah, I'm just trying, I'm telling you, I honor my ancestors. And so what, this is my own way of honoring what my family went through. And we love America. And my family, members of my family have fought for this country. And we are patriotic. And we love this country. That doesn't mean we have to forget our own family. So July the 4th process. is a
2: Tuesday this year. There will be an afternoon rush hour.
1: And I'll I be think? on the air, hopefully, somewhere. WABC, no, I'll be on vacation. No. WABC, we're coming right
0: back. Don't go away. It. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, Now. here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC.
1: Ah, I love this song.
2: Earl Clue is playing...
1: Yeah, this is Earl Clue playing guitar. And it is so amazing to me to listen to this version of a song that we all know. Stephen Bishop is the vocalist, and he's also a guitar player on this.
0: Down in Jamaica,
2: they got lots of pretty women. Steal your money, then they break your heart some soup, she's in love with old Take him from the fire into the frying pan on and on. She just keeps on trying and she smiles. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the US, more than fifty percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge
0: what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.
2: I gotta ask you, James, before we run yeah, out of I love time, this. since, Let's do it. since, uh, we, ask me. this is a news talk program rather than two friends arguing about stuff. The the president of the United States with his little cheat sheet. His little uh, it, 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 it is not just a cheat sheet. It is the topic of the question. It is uh, some of the verbiage of the question. Even though the Los Angeles Times says no, 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 they didn't submit the question. Like, well, then they they've got really good psychics at the White House. They got Miss Cleo uh, working at the White House, going. This is what I think this person's going to ask. But it, what's more telling is that it says. At the top, question number one, Courtney Subramanian, which is spelled out phonetically underneath it, but there's also a photograph of her. If you have somebody with dementia, you don't want them surprised, but somebody's having a good day and then a surprise would be a shock to the brain, not derail their train of thought, whatever. So you don't want Joe Biden, not only surprised by the outlet or the name, but to look at somebody and go, oh, it's you, and then you forget what's going on, or, oh, this is the person who's talking. So they put her picture up there as well as the question and an answer. Um, this is all being glossed over as perfectly normal and perfectly acceptable. It is perfectly normal in Biden world. It's also perfectly normal in nursing homes where people who are suffering from <laughs> dementia, you, you you want to make sure that, you know, you don't want to surprise them. Somebody just jumps out and says, hey, I haven't seen them in a long time. They're not going to be able to place them. They're going to have their train of thought <sighs> derailed. What do you make of this? Uh, this and the response and the fact that the most of the media, most of the left-wing industrial complex is sitting there going, this is perfectly normal. Everybody knows this happens, blah, 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 blah.
1: It is perfectly normal for them because they've been in on it. Right. For the past three or four years. They've been in on the fact That they all have to, this is the media, this is the mainstream media political complex. Mm -hmm. And this is what they have done to protect Joe Biden. This is what they're doing to protect the senator from Pennsylvania. It really is amazing
2: that they, they, look, it would be like the, uh, the Mayans, the virgins, sacrificing themselves, throwing themselves into volcanoes. They are really willing to sacrifice any semblance of credibility, any right. semblance of independence, not that there's a whole lot left, in order to protect their agenda. And Joe Biden just there happens to be the personification. If they had a viable alternative to Joe Biden, do you really think if Kamala Harris were Vice President uh, Gavin Newsom, do you think they would be as protective as him? But he's he's insulated himself by having... Somebody who's a worse politician than him is vice president. Where they go, well, we got to keep this guy. We got a weekend at Bernie's. This guy forever because she would. She didn't even make it to Iowa. You think that? I mean, am I am I crazy in thinking that?
1: No, Uh but I do think that no matter what, they would do this. I think for any one of their candidates, they would do this to
2: this extent because they turned on yes. Diane Feinstein.
1: Yes, because they're turning on Diane Feinstein because they're annoyed that Republicans. Actually, have a role in the Senate because yeah. she's not there. That's the only reason they're turning on her. But the but but even so, they will do. The, they're going to protect their ideology and protect their agenda at all costs, including their own credibility. And this goes right to the heart of it, Derek. Like nothing else. You have to stay and listen. We've got some people. I've got a guy who wants to talk about you and your cats. I can't wait to hear what that's about. <laughs>
2: I will well, be I hope your daughter always, enjoy,
1: enjoys I, the kittens. What are the well, kittens' names? Have you have she, she doesn't they, know. they have
2: named them. We'll see if those names stick. The orangish one is Garfield, and the uh, dark one that looks like a storm cloud is Stormy. It has nothing to do with Stormy Daniels. The kids picked the name. They don't know anything about Stormy Daniels, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, we'll we'll see if those names
1: stick. notice n- notice the dark one. The darkie.
2: That's right. I I celebrate the 4th of July expressly because it hurts you.
1: (laughs) Derek, you gave, I hope that that your advice, that Tucker really does do what you uh, have suggested. And I can't wait. Um, Where can people find you this week,
2: Derek? Uh, Town Hall, four days a week, townhall.com, patreon.com, slash Derek Hunter Podcast for the weekend in and Review right now, and then uh, just search Derek Hunter Podcast. Everywhere fine podcasts are sold for free. Derek Hunter, ladies
1: and gentlemen, Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues. The love man is here.
2: <laughs> I'll be listening.
1: Diego's here. Scott's here. I'm here. Small caffeinated mom. I think she's lurking about out there. We're coming back so much more. Don't
0: forget Will Downing and Carrie Lake are here.
1: Well, they'll be here. Right. Thank you. And we're coming back, so don't go away. Hour number one in the can.
0: Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto.